0: Hello and welcome to season three, episode one of Hoppy Night in Canada. In North Vancouver, my name's Dave and my name's John. Uh, welcome. We're back. Uh, we are back. Apologies to our loyal fan base. It's been a little intermittent recently.: It was an un- uh,
1: unexpected season hiatus, I think.:
0: Yeah. Busy summer for both busy summer slash fall for both of us uh we had an episode in the can, but it really quickly became not seasonally appropriate anymore, so we'll hold on to that one till next summer.
1: yeah, the difficulty of uh doing a beers of summer episode is when it stops being summer and you still haven't put that episode out. yeah, it's really hard to justify <laughs> releasing that,
0: yeah, for sure, yeah, and so we're gonna start fresh, make it season three. uh we have some things in the plans, particularly uh we are going to endeavor to get more to become more regular we'll try and do a big episode every couple of weeks but then at least once a week we're going to get together and put out a quick episode uh just talking about a beer that we've had that's uh, that we've each had that's really good kind of separating out the beer of the moment section um and At least for now, don't worry. Unlike some podcasts, we're not taking this out and putting it behind a Patreon paywall. (laughs) This will still be free because, let's be real, there's not enough of you that are willing to pay for it. We
1: know our place. It's all free all the time. Don't (laughs) worry.
0: Um, Yeah, so this is going to be the first episode. We got a big full episode here sometime in the next week. We'll hopefully get another quick beer beer of the moment. Um, episode out.
1: Yeah. We'd like, we'd like to keep the, uh, the beer of the moments as timely as possible. So, you know, expect those a little bit more frequently in the same feed. And then, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be aiming for a bigger episode, similar to what we usually do once every couple of weeks, uh, you know, keep that train rolling on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start off with our beer of the moment. And I have one that has gone sort of number one with a bullet for me recently. Uh, it is from, one of your favorite breweries, modern times in San Diego. Always support modern times. Uh, the beer is called city of the dead. Um, when I was in, when I was in Victoria for Thanksgiving, my dad had picked up a bottle of this just cause he liked the label, which is what my dad is kind of want to do. He will pick up random beers cause he's never heard of them and he likes the label and sometimes they're good. Sometimes not so good. Um, but I appreciate his willingness to try things. Um, This really wasn't a beer that my dad would have, I would have ever expected my dad to pick up. Uh, It is a stout with bourbon barrel aged coffee. So Modern Times roasts coffee in-house, brews the coffee, cold brew, and then ages the coffee in bourbon barrels, which it then adds to the stout after fermentation. It's amazing. Yeah. It is truly incredible. It is like, it's kind of like a beer version of Kahlua, but so much better. Yeah. Like it is truly, truly an amazing beer. Um, and they're on the, on the bottle and on the, the website, City of the, it says City of the Dead is an immensely flavorful and unforgettable and unforgettably delicious, unlike any other beer in the world. And that is tr- completely true. I've think- never had a beer that is anything like it and I was immensely impressed. It is delicious.
1: Yeah, it's I've, I've had it before, and it's it's really really good. And yeah, like it is it is different than if you buy it expecting a coffee stout, you're getting a very different experience. Oh, completely. And like it's yeah, it's it's odd and weird. And uh, like modern times in general is I I I think they're they're super cool. Like they're they're a really inventive brewery, and they have this great mix of like their their main year round lineup is solid but they also do a ton of one-offs and like random experiments and things like that. They do a lot of barrel aging and things like that. Um, They've got, I think two, they've got two locations in, uh, in San Diego. They've opened one in LA and I think they're opening one in Portland now.
0: They are. They're unfortunately, sadly taking over the commons. Yeah. uh, The commons brewing space in Portland, which means commons is shut, is shutting their doors. I think at the end of December this year, Commons is shutting their doors and modern times is moving in, which is really sad because commons is legitimately one of the best breweries in the world. I guess they just, they were good brewers and not great business people.
1: Yeah. And that's like, I'm I'm really sad to see commons go. I'm really happy to see modern times set up shop in Portland. Yeah. So I'm a little, you know, it's, it's a little of both, but yeah, hundred percent fully endorsed city of the dead. Um, one of the, that, that was, I think, in their opening lineup. And really? that's one of the, yeah, that, wow. like, that out of the gates. The guy, so the guy that started Modern Times was a former brewer at Stone. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, kind of cut his teeth at Stone, learned a lot, and then basically set out on his own. And uh, like super interesting, there's a, there's a blog where like all the work that he did to start the brewery and like he ran a Kickstarter campaign and things like that. Like super interesting to read about the, the history of them and things like that. But in ger- like super solid, one of the best breweries in San Diego easily, hands down these days. Yeah,
0: it's a really, really good beer.
1: Yeah. Um, for me, beer at the moment. So like we're, we're just getting out of uh, fresh hot beer season. Yep. Um, so my fridge is still full of various fresh hop beers. Um, my beer at the moment, funnily enough, it's it's labeled as a fresh hop beer, and I'm not picking it because of like the fresh hop qualities of it. Uh, from Fieldhouse Brewing, which is out in Abbotsford, B.C., it's the Fresh Hop Satori Sour IPA. Fieldhouse uh, has made sour IPAs before, and I've had them and really liked them. This one was no exception. This was just like a really good sour IPA, which sounds a little bit odd. It's sour a- and hoppy are two very strong characters.
0: It's a strange style, and... There are some bad examples of it. Oh, for sure. But Fieldhouse is a, go- a very good one.
1: Yeah, I, I've, I've really liked theirs before. And yeah, this one I thought was a really good beer. Um, the note that I made for myself on Untapped was like, I didn't get the fresh hop character out of it at all. Uh, we've obviously done an episode on fresh hop beers before and, and sort of that kind of very like herbal grassy flavor that can come out and like really enhance a beer's flavor. Um, I I didn't taste it personally, but in spite of that, I thought it was a great sour IPA, which... Like you said Dave is a is a hard style to hit properly, yeah, and I think they got all the right notes. It was a really enjoyable one, and i'm still it's still around these days on shelves. Um, if you track one down if that's if that's your style to to try out and experiment, then I highly
0: recommend it. Nice yeah so with that, um do you want to jump right into it? Let's do it. When we're recording this, it's about six weeks before Christmas, so when you're hearing it, it'll probably be four weeks or so. yeah and we're getting into in general holiday season,
1: yeah. Uh the first snow has already fallen in Vancouver. I know uh many other provinces have been seeing snow for a little while now. So weather's getting colder, days w- are getting
0: shorter. I was outside of Williams Lake for work for a couple of weeks and let me tell you, it hit negative 18 overnight a couple of times. That sounds terrible. Legitim- that just sounds awful. Legitimately the coldest I have ever experienced. Oh. <laughs> yep. Um we uh, but yeah, th- like we said, getting colder. It's becoming, it is becoming holiday season in the States. I mean, we're only a couple of weeks away from Thanksgiving, which is really the kickoff to the holiday season. Yeah. Um, and so most people are going to be seeing family. And if you're lucky enough that you like your family, <laughs> uh, one of the a really fun activity, especially for, you know, in our minds, is sharing a few beer. Yeah. Sharing a few beers. I mean... This past summer, a little, just a little bit of context, this past summer, my dad turned 60. And one of the things we did at my dad's birthday is we had a family beer tasting. Um, and so I pulled some beer out of my cellar. Um, I've talked about it before on this, on this episode, but let me tell I pulled out the last bottle of Lustrum that I had, Driftwoods, which was Driftwoods five year or five, fifth anniversary beer, which is four years old now. Let me tell you, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was truly great. That's good to hear, because I mean, four years can push it depending on the beer style. Yeah, so. it was it was amazing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we so we I pulled some things out of the cellar. My brother in law pulled brought a couple of things up, and we just there was a group of about I don't know, eight, eight of us or so, and we just everybody tried a little bit of each of the beers, and everybody had a great time to the point that it is now essentially has is going to become an annual thing for my family, not necessarily for my dad's birthday, but we're going to have a, a family beer tasting, and everyone. Especially my aunt, who gets really into things, um, has decided that she's going to keep her eye out for beers that she really wants to keep um, and and hold on to. So yeah, I mean it's it's a really fun thing to do. And I mean I I kind of one of the things I really like about beer in general is that and I, I this is probably this is definitely true of other beverages as well. But like it's a social thing. Yeah, it's a sharing activity. Yeah, and and I mean. Twenty years ago, sharing beer usually meant you brought a 12 pack to share with whomever you were with, not me particular because I was eleven at the time but yeah. uh, sharing beer when the majority of the beer you could get was Molson Canadian was sharing cans of a, of a twelve pack or something like that but now there's with with the craft beer boom there 's such a breadth of styles of beer that you maybe don't want to drink all to yourself out of a bomber yeah that sharing has be, sharing beer has become a much much more interesting activity. Yeah, for sure. And
1: I mean, you know, we've talked in episodes previous about bottle shares in general. They're a fun activity to do, especially with friends. You know, you can make it a regular activity. Everyone brings something interesting and things like that. But uh but holidays, like you say, especially with family, present a couple of interesting opportunities, right? If, you're, if your family's already into craft beer, it's a chance to, yeah, bring out those rare things from the cellar or, you know, maybe start to share those bottles of, of beers that are more typically released in winter, which tend to be stronger, heavier beers. You may not want to kill off a, a full bottle of that yourself, but you share it among a few family members. It's pretty good. You also have an interesting opportunity to use it as, a, as an entry point for people who may not be into craft beer. You know, so if you're hanging out with family and someone's like, I've never been able to try, you know, certain types of beer, they don't like certain types of beer. Well, this is a great opportunity to be able to say, Hey, like you don't have to buy it yourself. You don't even have to get it at a bar. It's just a little taste of something. And in the meantime, you get to enjoy the rest if they don't like it.
0: Totally. Yeah. It is, it is totally a great way to, like you said, introduce people to maybe a beer that's your favorite that somebody else might not be as familiar with. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. And I think also to your, to your point about, you know, like, um, pulling things out of the cellar. I think that's one of the fun things is, you know, oftentimes, um, especially for myself, you know, my family live in, in various other cities. So the holidays is, is sometimes the only time a year that I'm going to be able to see some members of those family. And so it is a good opportunity to, to yeah, um, sometimes, you know, you set aside beer for special occasions, you know, or things in the cellar that have been aging for a while. And it's a chance to like, this is a special occasion. So you, it's a chance, you know, to you to, to take some inventory of your own, cellar storage locker wherever you're storing beer um and be able to (laughs) say like yeah it's 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 time to it's time to crack
0: open some of those rare ones yeah completely completely if you've got four year five year vertical of singularity sitting in the sitting in the cellar well maybe maybe the holidays are a good time to have somebody help you out with that because let me tell you four or five bottles of singularity by yourself no that's a lot that's gonna be Maybe
1: a bad time for you, um, but <laughs> a good time with you and some friends. Yes, family. exactly, um, exactly. One of the other things, and uh, this I, I sort of touched on it just now, but the the beers that get released around holiday season, you know, I uh, I can't speak for you, but but you know, some beers that come out around the holidays are just things like you know stouts or imperial stouts barley wines porters like in general darker maltier beers that are that are enjoyable but there's also the the sort of class of spiced beers winter warmers like whatever you want to call them that um i i always enjoy a taste of but i normally don't want a whole one myself right and so getting getting a chance to say like hey this is a good opportunity we get to try some especially ones that come out once a year you get to try what's different you know from previous years of it but like i don't have to commit to an entire an entire bottle of it myself because i can just share the load
0: a little bit that is that is totally true and like you i'm not sure i would ever want a full bottle of some of the the the, the spiced beers um and this this even applies to some of the beers that are available now that have been this, since thanksgiving the pumpkin beers because a lot of pumpkin beer are also pumpkin spiced beers yeah and i i definitely find that some of the spiced beers some are really 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 good whether it's pumpkin or winter spice or mm. whatever you want to say some of them are really good some of them are a little bit heavy-handed um so if you have a bottle and you're sharing between five people nobody has to commit to drinking the whole thing yeah exactly and it's so a,
1: it's a chance to share to share that load a little bit and be able to say like yeah i got a taste of that i got to try thing x but like i do not sit down and do it myself
0: yeah and so you know some of them are maybe not great but some of them are going to be some of them are going to be winners yeah and some of them are going to be like I know um, there's been a couple of years and it changes. I'm pretty sure the recipe changes every year, but or m- maybe not the recipe changes every year, but it varies batch to batch. To batch. But uh, Father John's winter ale from how sound yeah. has got a nice amount of spice to it. But again, it comes in a one liter bottle, one yeah. of the flip tops. And like, that's a lot for your, by oh, yourself. Yeah. Like that's, that's too I, much by yourself. I, actually,
1: I think of that one quintessentially just because yeah, how sound being that most of their releases are, are one liter bottles. And and I like to try a Father John's, but I don't want one myself. <laughs> you know, I just want—I want that sample. I don't
0: want to move on. Totally, totally. And yeah. so, if you're at a family event or friends or something like that, I know our group of friends in the past has had a Christmas get together. That's a great time to bring a bottle of Father John's because you can be like, "Yes, we will share this amongst eight people." Yeah, and everyone will get their three ounces of, <laughs> of yeah exactly of sampling. Yeah, so so with that. We'll uh, we'll we'll try our first recommended sharing beer. Yeah. Um,
1: so we, we we picked up a couple of bottles of uh of beer that's that's out right now that in general yeah fits the criteria that we've been talking about already. Let's call them a bit seasonally appropriate, but also yeah, all of these have uh, come in larger bottles, and I think all of them are a little bit stronger uh, in nature. Um, but these ones are ones that I feel like fit that quintessential profile of like things that are good for sharing. Totally. And, totally. And,
0: weather appropriate so with that let's uh let's uh, get into the first one crack open our first one yeah let's do it so our first beer today uh is from a perennial favorite brewery uh Gard out of burnaby uh, the beer is called eight degrees it's one of their single batch series it is a as the label describes it a lacto-fermented belgian brune brewed with date sugar so it is, this is kind of, it falls into a subsection of good sharing, winter sharing beers that we would call, I would call just like Belgian strong ales. Yeah. Um, and a lot of Belgian beer is strong. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are higher percentage, but what's good about that is that it makes them, the, the alcohol usually sort of makes it kind of interesting flavor. It makes them sort of sipping beers. None of the beers that we're drinking today or we would recommend for for sharing are going to be session beers. No. No, they are. This one clocks in at 8.9%.
1: And, and like you say, very much in that Belgian tradition, I mean, I think of especially... Um, trappist beers you know things like uh rochefort or saint bernardus that that have in their run of beers they have like rochefort has a a beer just called six one called eight and one called ten and each one is stronger and darker than the last yep um similar with uh with saint bernardus they have their 12 and their eight i think there's a yeah there's that range but it's like numerically increasing in in strength and uh flavor
0: yeah and the yeast in these belgian beers uh, produce a bunch of esters, which ha- produce different flavors. And so oftentimes in these beers, you can get like a, f- like dried stone fruit, raisins, like prunes, that kind of like even like dried cherries sort of. Yeah.
1: That's the- like sweet kind of candy-ish. And like you said, I mean, this one in this case has has things like date sugar, yep. um, which is probably going to produce something interesting. I'm curious what the what the lacto-fermented um, does to this beer, yeah. basically.
0: Yeah. So. Well, let's give it a try. Sounds good. That's really interesting.
1: Yeah, that's quite nice. It's interesting the I feel like the nose is quite sweet. Like I was expecting something sweeter. Um
0: I think that the lacto ferment the lacto fermentation uh which is with lactobacillus uh adds like it just there's a little sharp edge that takes some of the sweetness away. Mm-hmm. It's not sour by any stretch of the imagination, No, but it just takes the edge of the sugar away just a little bit and yeah. gives it a real nice amount of balance.
1: Yeah, because you get a lot of the fruity flavor,
0: but again, yeah, like the,
1: the, the sweetness is less than I expected based on the nose. So that's a really interesting, but it, fe- it feels like a really nicely balanced beer.
0: It is, it is, and it hides the nine, almost 9% really well yes very much so a lot of a lot of especially especially like north american style beers if they're eight point if you get a north american style beer that's 8.9 percent it's going to be warm you'll probably taste it like you're going to taste the alcohol yeah this you don't at all
1: no which which again I, i i feel like makes me does make me very much think of um belgian especially trappist beers yeah you know rochefort 10 which is one of my favorite beers on earth is 11% I think and does not it doesn't feel like it well it feels like it after but it doesn't <laughs> taste like it in the moment
0: no that's very true very very true this is delicious I like this a lot I would this is one that hopefully listeners by the time you're or when you're hearing this this one probably will still be available yeah uh, it is it's in Dagger single batch series um, and it's a yearly
1: release from them, if I if I understand correctly. Yeah, they also they also do normally they do a, a ten degrees, yes. which I know this year was a bad batch and they had to get rid of it. Um, something went wrong, I think, in the either in the bottle conditioning or the fermentation. The, where,
0: the bottle conditioning room, something went wrong. Yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, this yeah yearly release, but should still be around uh, for the next few weeks.
0: Yeah. So the description description on the label reads: rich malt and stone fruit flavors and a surprisingly crisp finish make eight percent a complex and compelling brew. The drinker is greeted by aromas of plum and clove produced by a special yeast from West Flanders. This is followed by the flavor of date sugar and English crystal malt and capped by a brisk, lightly tart finish the result of a brief lactic fermentation. Eight degrees is re-fermented in the bottle, so pour with care to leave the yeast sediment in the bottle. This, this is really good, and this would be a great, great um, sort of after-Christmas dinner beer. Oh, for sure. Like, this is the kind of if you're sharing it with your family and everybody gets like, we're drinking about a four ounce taster glasses. Yeah. Um, everybody gets a four ounce taster glass or so. And it go, would go super well with like tr- a traditional Christmas dessert, like figgy pudding or something yeah. like that. It yeah. Would,
1: a lot it, of the kind of sweeter uh, Christmas desserts would go well with this. I was going to say like this, this feels like a beer that would pair really well with food. As long as you pair it with the right food.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. With, with some sweeter, richer, in terms of desserts with some sweeter, like, fig pudding or something like that, this would absolutely sing. Uh, in terms of, I think, like, a rich, like, maybe even, a, like, a, a beef stew or something like that. Like, some richer meat dish. Yeah. I think this would go really well, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The one thing one thing it's interesting, and, and this maybe um it's, it's in the description a bit, but the, on the topic of crisp finish. The, the finish, in, and in general, it kind of reminds me a little of a kolsch. In terms of, it's got a little bit of biscuitiness on the end. It's a little, I
0: don't know. I'm, you know what, I'm I, feeling it. I wouldn't have picked that up, but now that you mention it, you're totally right. And it doesn't, the flavor doesn't linger. No, which which I think is very much the, the, where the sort of the colch comparison comes from. The flavor's not lingering at all. No, it you you get the flavors that you're looking for, and then it kind of cuts off dry.
1: Yeah, which is actually really nice because that's one I, you know. Um, this This doesn't officially count as like a holiday beer, but I know holiday beer is one of the one of the things that sort of makes me shy away from them in terms of wanting a full amount is often that like the flavor lingers I think especially of one like a Granville Island winter ale, which just has that kind of like syrupy taste and mouthfeel that just like sits around
0: well and that's that is a danger of some of the sweeter maltier beers yeah is that if they're not balanced with a little bit of either hops or in this case, the little bit of lacto-fermentation or something like that. There's nothing to cut through the sweetness. Yeah. And it just sort of sits there. And it, it really, like, yeah. long, long finishes that kind of make, give you that sort of, yeah like, sticky mouth kind of feeling. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. This is excellent. Yeah. This is excellent. I like it a lot. I would give this a strong 8 out of 10.
1: I'd go about the same. I think I'd go eight and a half. I, I really really like this one and yeah I think this is this is easily one that I'd I'd probably pick up a few and, and save for kind of the right occasions, um, totally totally and uh, and keep it around because yeah it's it's this is something easily that would uh, that would do well through the colder winter months I yeah. think.
0: yeah definitely, um, and similar like like we've been talking about there are a, a, there is a range of Belgian style beers that would do really w- that do really well in sort of the sharing environment. Yeah. As John mentioned, you got your Trappist ales, you got Bruins like this one. Um, but because, because Belgian brewers have traditionally, and by traditional, I mean for the last like six or 700 years, really just thrown caution to the wind about any type of like ingredients. It's always just like candy sugar. Sure. Throw it in the beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, the beer is often uh, like they, they will add extra sugar or they will add, fruit or something like that they will add a bunch of stuff that, that will up the alcohol content and one of the things that the belgian yeasts are really good at is balancing that um so yeah you often do not taste the uh the the huge alcohol amount which is which makes it it makes them for interesting interesting flavors but also can make it dangerous so, yeah you yeah know, very much so like i probably if i had a the this beer comes in a bomber yeah um so the the 650 milliliter single bottle. Um, if I drank this to myself, I probably wouldn't want to drive. No. Oh, easily. No. So, yeah. 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 So, uh, so
1: before we get to the the second one, um, here's a, here's a question maybe. So we, I I think both, uh, are, are lucky enough to have, have families and, and friends that are really into craft beer. And so sharing becomes a wide open field. Everyone brings their own tastes in, but everyone's already kind of on the same page. Um, let's say you're, you're in a situation where, you know, you're getting family together and you want to start you want to start opening the door for people on craft beer, given the time of year, given the sort of the holiday season, um, what would you, like what would your opening moves be? Like what would your approaches be as far as uh, something that's seasonally appropriate and that shares well, but that also isn't so kind of far down the road in terms of complexity or odd flavor. Like you're not going to start with a barrel aged sour, right? So, so where do you, where would you start in
0: that, in that realm? That's a good question. Um, I mean, it can be tough because person to person because everyone has their own palates even non-beer drinkers Mm -hmm. will have a palate they just don't really know it yet because everyone has flavors they prefer whether like somebody doesn't drink beer they drink wine and they like robust reds or they like dry whites or something like that that can kind of correspond to some similar beer flavors that people would like yeah even like whether they like light roast versus dark roast coffee or something like that that's gonna do it but one beer I would definitely recommend that would be a good starting point for somebody who's maybe not a huge uh, craft beer, not not a big craft beer person, would be like a a dark wheat style beer, mm-hmm. like a good a good seasonal one because they tend to come out this time. But there's there's a few different sort of darker wheat beer styles because like wheat beer. It's maybe a little bit cliche, but wheat beer is a really easy entry point to craft beer for people who aren't craft beer drinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, in the summer, you know you got hefeweizens and you got uh, wit beers, which anybody can drink. Absolutely, yeah. anybody can drink. They're really widely applicable. Uh, in the winter months, there's a German uh, dunkelweizen style beer, which can be like it, it. That just translates to, I believe, dark wheat beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's also Uh, another style that you can, you can see, you'll see sometimes called Rogenweisen, which is a rye and wheat beer, which tend to be, they tend to be darker. They tend to be a little bit more, um, like a a little bit more winter, uh, friendly. And so actually Steel and Oak Brewery in New Westminster makes a really good Rogenweisen. Oh, that's right. I don't think I've ever tried it, but I know a lot of people that really like it. It's really good. It's a little bit darker. It's a little bit, um... But it still has those nice kind of like bubblegummy flavors that some uh, Heffa have. It's a really like it's it's a good it would be a good winter sharing beer that you could introduce somebody to. So that's that's an easy one. Mm-hmm. Um, another option, um, and this one's kind of playing on people's maybe not misconceptions but preconceptions, um, is you could try some chocolate beers. Get somebody, that's a good call, yeah. get somebody who maybe hasn't drank a lot of beer before. But like, oh, I, I would try something with chocolate. If you can get the, the most common one around here is the uh, Longboat Double Chocolate Porter from uh, Phillips in yeah. Victoria. Uh, but something like that. Get a chocolate stout, get a chocolate porter, something yeah. like that. Especially, I mean, you maybe don't want a chocolate imperial stout or something like that because there's going to be some bold flavors in that. But yeah. the Longboat from... That's something from that's a bit, yeah. Is... It would be a really good
1: option. Yeah, and actually to your point about mentioning coffee earlier, coffee stouts, coffee porters, that sort of thing, now's a good time of year for that. You're going to see a number of those around. Totally. And those are another one where you'll still, you get those stronger coffee flavors, you know, that pack in with the stout and can balance it out. If you like coffee, you're going to get something that you enjoy out of that.
0: Totally, totally.
1: Yeah. I think the other the other thing that I've I've been thinking a bit about um, is, is food pairing in general with beer. And so I feel like the holidays are also a good time. Like everyone's got their traditions in terms of what food is like that's the food you always expect when your family gets together. Yep. And so, if you can work to to find some sort of complementary beer pairings with that, it may not even be necessarily a beer that's um, uh, that airs on the sort of holiday side of like darker, malty, or whatever. But like, if you can find something that's sort of complementary, you may be able to start opening that door of saying like, yeah, like when we're having this food, this beer goes really well with it, and that can start down the road of saying like, hey, as long as we're having this, let's uh, share some other stuff. Let's
0: totally, totally. Here's and this
1: barrel aged sour that I got myself. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you said, Barrel sour, that might be a bit tough for sure. an, an intro one, but um, there are tons of good resources online for beer pairing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's also some good books. Uh, the one I have is called The Brewmaster's Table. It's by uh, Garrett Oliver, who's the brewmaster at Brooklyn Brewery in New York, and it just talks about different styles of beer. And what kind of food they pair really well with? Uh, there's one that you've got called Tasting Beer by Randy Mosher.
1: Yeah, that's the one that I've uh, I've been reading a bit of in terms of the um, getting a bit in depth into in terms of flavor profiles and what type of food uh, is going to pair well with what type of beer.
0: Yeah, and, and but there are there if you don't want to get a book, you, there are lots of countless resources online that you could also check out. Yeah, um, but that is a great way to, eat, uh, and again. If you're just sharing something, you're not, nobody's committing to a full pint or a can or a glass of something. You just say, I can't, or sorry, can or a bottle of something. You say, here, have this t- four ounce taster of yeah, a good, you know, Belgian amber or something like yeah.
1: that. This is how, I mean, the, the holidays at the time that I feel like uh, my, my parents will try beers that they would never try normally. Cause when, uh, uh, you know, when myself and my siblings get together, we'll do a run out buy a little of everything and then suddenly we're coming back saying like, Hey, like I know you normally don't drink sours, but like, try this one on. Try (laughs) to see how this one goes. Um, this, I, I feel like they may contest this, but my memory is this is how they started liking IPAs more, you know, in spite of, uh, um, uh, they lived in San Diego for many years, kind of home of West coast IPAs. Totally. But, um, but never really went too far down the road of extra hoppy beers. And then once we started coming back around the holidays and, uh, and picking up a bunch of IPAs, you know, local IPAs and trying those, like, that's when we are able to start saying, like, hey, there are some of these that you do like. And there are some of these that, you know, it's never it's never just an open and closed, I don't like this style of beer. There's yeah. always going to be something.
0: Totally. Like, I mean, sours are a relatively recent style, but, like, I don't know that I would have picked out my dad as being a sour beer fan, but... I believe I gave him one to try and he really liked it. And now he, my dad probably drinks more sour beer than I do. Like he (laughs) loves, they're they're probably his favorite style of beer. He loves sour beers. Um, And it's just, yeah. 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 It always just comes, you just gotta, somebody's just gotta try something once and then really like it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's move on to the next beer. Sounds good.
1: All right. So getting into our second example of a good beer for sharing, Uh, we're going across the country to Quebec this is from Trois Muscoutiers Brewery, the Porter Baltique, Baltic Porter, um, strong dark lager. So this clocks in at a 10% alcohol by volume, uh, comes in a 750 milliliter bottle. And uh, and yeah, this is actually new to me. Um, I didn't fully realize that Baltic Porters are, are actually technically a lagered beer.
0: They are. They're, they're a bottom fermenting dark beer. I mean, this is... this is essentially just a stronger version of like Hoyne's Dark Matter or something like that, like Mm -hmm. any other dark lager. Baltic porters were, and they, I want to say, maybe originated in Northern Germany. Uh, It Um, says from
1: the Baltic Sea region, so. Yeah, so
0: like it, 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 they originated from sort of that lager area. Yeah. Whereas like your traditional porter is a London style beer. So it, it yeah, it has all the same character or a lot of the same characteristics of a traditional porter, dark, you know, roasty, roasted malt, roast flavors, that kind of stuff. Um, but it is fermented at the colder temperature and aged longer. So. Right.
1: Cool. Yeah. And actually I was looking, these are bottle conditioned, I guess, but the, this uh, beer was actually made in 2016. So by default, when they release this, it's already had some aging and bottle conditioning. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's a larger bottle. It's corked. Um so, yeah, definitely definitely made, and on the bottle, it suggests you can age it three to five years. So yeah. it's definitely a beer that's made to be uh, stronger, can be put away, but uh, can be drank young, which is yeah. what we're about to do.
0: Yep. Oh, man, that's the good stuff.
1: Yeah, that's really good.
0: Ooh, that is... But, again, that is very much a sharing beer because there are some really strong flavors in there.
1: Oh, yeah. And this one... Um, at a ten percent, you can taste
0: it, oh yeah um, yeah this one you can de- definitely taste boozier than the first one we had, yeah, but in an like not in an unpleasant way, no, some beers are boozy in kind of an unpleasant way, yeah, this is not one of those ones it's the alcohol flavor kind of matches with sort of the sweetness, yeah, um, and sort of picks that up and it's so it's not um, it like it doesn't taste hot or anything like that, you can just taste the alcohol,
1: yeah, yeah, so we're looking um Thomas Kattier actually on their bottles give a, a ton of information so. You're looking at, for malts, Pilsner, Munich, and caramel malts with some wheat and oat and also smoked uh, malts huh. as well.
0: I don't really taste any smoke in there. No,
1: neither do I. But it's there, apparently, in yeah. some
0: small amount. Maybe it um, just add, adds a little bit of depth. Yeah. Because it is, the flavor of this beer is definitely not, it's it's multi-note. It's oh, definitely yeah. not a single-note flavor. There's a lot of depth there, and maybe the... The smoke is there. I'm just not getting it because it's not really what my palate is picking up.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the flavors that they suggest on the bottle are coffee, chocolate, vanilla, black cherry, and smoked. Hmm. So they also provide to the topic of uh, beer pairings, uh, smokehouse meats, chocolates, pralines, or strong cheeses. Hmm. I can see a strong cheese with this.
0: Yeah. Like a, a Stilton maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely get some chocolate. Get a little bit of coffee. A little vanilla. Yeah. There's definitely some vanilla. I don't get
1: cherry, personally.
0: There's a little bit of an aftertaste to cherry. Like, you let it sit. This one, this one definitely doesn't have the crisp finish that the first beer d- did. No. Uh, it is much more sort of lingering, but... Again. This one has a bit of that stickiness that we were talking about.
1: Again, oh, not, not in a bad way. I think it's, I think it's well placed, um, yeah. but it's there.
0: Yeah. But I definitely feel like as I take a couple of breaths after having a sip, I get some cherry then. Let's That's when
1: I noticed the smoke a little bit, I think. Hmm. Feels yeah.
0: hmm. That is really good. Yeah. Thomas is interesting cuz a lot of the Quebec breweries um at least a lot of the Quebec breweries that I'm familiar with tend to be I mean there's kind of a Quebec style but they're they they seem to sort of be heavily Belgian influenced. Mm-hmm. And that comes from like this opinion comes very much from the Unibrew beers cuz a lot of those like Maudit and uh, Terrible and Trois Pistols and all they're, they're Belgian style beers yeah they're very much Belgian style beers um, and that is true with a lot of the Quebec breweries um, but I my understanding with Trois Mesquitares is that they're more sort of German style like I know another one of their popular beers is a is a Berliner Weiss mm-hmm. and I think they have a they might have a Dunkel a in as well.
1: I think they do, yeah. yeah so and like they do, they, they make quite a few other things. I know that they, they have quite a few beers uh, made with brett. They do a couple of, of souring things. Um, but yeah, I think the, the things that they're really well known for are that sort of um, European, maybe
0: more German-influenced style. Yeah, yeah, which is which is a little different than some of the other Quebec breweries. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is really good. Um, I would probably give this a strong eight and a half.
1: I'd probably go eight, um, but I think that more says about how I'm feeling at the moment. I mean, it's really good. I'm glad that like, I, I don't know that I'd want more than a taster of this, Yeah, but it is it is very, very good. And I think um, circumstantially again, maybe with, you know, paired with a certain type of food or, or whatever, like that, it's a very subjective rating yeah. <laughs> at the moment, oh. but uh, oh. like, I, I, I feel like I could easily give this a nine and a half or a 10 out of 10 <laughs> in the right circumstances. Yeah, I can um, see that. Yeah, but yeah, it's it, like, it's a, it's a really, really good beer.
0: This is a good sorta of seasonal beer, um, which would kind of lead us into discussion of other sort of dark beers, which we've we've mentioned a few times already, but um things like stouts and porters are really, really good winter beers because they have those kind of they're they're darker, maltier, sort of richer flavors, which just they pair well with bad weather. Yeah. You know, they,
1: yeah. And, and, and beers that are a little stronger. I mean, it's, it's, it's a funny thing and it's probably psychosomatic to some degree, but you know, uh, boozier beers are going to be a little like that, that warmer taste from the alcohol. I feel like kind of can, it's, it, it fits well when you're, when you're coming in out of the cold.
0: Yeah. They, they stick to your bones a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally.
1: It feels, it feels right in the way that, uh, sitting down and drinking, I don't know. A wheat beer in the middle of winter. You know, you can do it. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. I'm not going to stop you, but.
0: Well, this is, I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but it's on my list. Strathcona Brewing in Vancouver uh, has put out a winter Rattler. Okay. This is a bit of a bit of a rant. No, not a rant here, but a bit of a ramble. They, I had originally seen them put a thing out about it on uh, Instagram. And the first picture they, they said it was a winter Rattler, as we called She's So Cold. Oh, uh, this one. Yeah. And they had all the labels printed and they had the cans packed and everything like that. And they, the cans were on trucks ready to be shipped. And somebody was like, with the sort of everything that's going on in the news with um, harass, sexual harassment and everything like that, uh, somebody said to somebody at Strathcona, maybe you should revisit <laughs> that name. And for them, She's So Cold was a tribute to the Rolling Stones song. Yeah. Um, which is what I thought of first too, probably because I am a white male. Um, but to Strathcona's credit, they took all of the beer out of the trucks. They peeled the labels off cause it was just, you know, they, 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 they have the sticker style labels that just go on the blank cans, They peeled all the labels off and replaced them with So the beer is now just called Burr, B-R-R-R, um, Winter Rattler. I haven't had a chance to try it. Yeah. But I will give Strathcona a ton of credit for... Oh, for sure. ...kind of realizing that, you know, the beer name was perhaps insensitive and doing something about it. Yeah, and I, I, I
1: actually... I really like that they um, that they were open about the fact they said, like, we we named it uh, because this is the association we had with it, and we recognized that other people would have a different interpretation or association. So they're just like, we didn't intend anything by it, but all the same, like... We're gonna do something about this because we know that other people could, could experience this or, or see it or understand it in a different way than we meant it. Yeah. And totally. we don't want like they don't want that on there. Yeah. Um I will say like burr is a bad name for beer, but um <laughs> like it, it is, but the fact
0: that oh, sort of, it was a last minute thing. Oh, for sure. That.
1: It's just like literally like pick a name. And you know what? Perfectly fine. Yeah. I'm I am yeah, and, and very much credit to them uh for for I think making the right choice.
0: So I am I am curious to try this winter rattler. I believe it is so they're they're uh, summer, their normal Rattler is the, the beach, which was, uh, Mandarin orange and lemon, I think. Yeah. Um, I think this one being the winter Rattler is Mandarin orange and cranberry. Okay. I'll give it a try. The, I quite liked their summer Rattler. Like yeah. I quite liked
1: the beach. Yeah. Um, I thought it was good. So yeah, like I, I I'd definitely be interested in a, in a sort of winter variant. Yeah. Of so a,
0: I'm I'm curious. And I mean, Mandarin orange is a very much a Christmas fruit. Cranberry is very much a Christmas thing. Absolutely. So, that's, um, it is something that I have every intention of trying. I haven't had a chance to try yet, but Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get into our third and final beer. Let's do it. Our third and final sharing beer of the day is a beer called Quadrennial from Four Winds. I mistakenly thought that Quadrennial was their four-year anniversary beer. In fact, not. Their four-year anniversary beer was Norwegian Wood, which came out in the summer. Um, this,
1: I, you know, I can't blame you because
0: the label is just a big Roman numeral four and the name is quadrennial, which means yeah. fourth year. Um, so, you know, or four years or whatever, but, uh, I guess the, it's called quadrennial because it has been aged for four years. I'm guessing that this was their first aging project that four Winds undertook after starting the brewery. The label says it is quadrennial barrel aged dark sour ale with black currants. Aged in red wine barrels for four years and finished on black currants, Quadrennial has developed a unique depth of character with rich undertones of tart berries and chocolate. Deep brown in color, this dark sour is well-balanced with a pronounced acidity and a a pleasantly puckering finish. Seven and a half alcohol by volume, six IBU, 750 milliliter. Um, I'm quite curious about this. Every beer I've had that has black currants has been amazing. Yeah. Um, anytime I've had a, a, they're always sour beers. Anytime I've had a sour with currant in it, it's been awesome. Um, so I'm quite curious about this. My, yeah. I'm on record several times in the, throughout the podcast referring to lustrum driftwoods lustrum as probably my favorite beer ever. That was a current aged sour. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering, I think this one might be sort of similar, but, uh, let's give it a try. Sounds good. Yeah
1: unsurprisingly this is an amazing beer
0: (laughs) i'm gonna go out and buy a couple more bottles of this
1: yeah that's um one okay so one i'd be curious i'm sorry i actually missed if you said the percentage but one thing that surprises me is for a beer that's been barrel aged for four years that's it like how smooth this is and how balanced it is yeah because i think sometimes like i i don't know um even barrel-aged beer, like not many places do years-long projects like this, right? No. Like there, there are a lot of like there are brewers that do it, obviously, but a lot of times if you see a barrel-aged, it's going to be somewhere between like three and eighteen months. Yep. Airing on the younger side, yep. like you're not like four years aged. Yeah. Is that's a long time, yeah. and for that, like that's an amazing blend of flavor.
0: Yeah. And it's a lot of barrel-aged beers taste like the wood, like it tastes like barrels. Mm-hmm. This doesn't. No. This one. It's got some aged characteristic but it isn't woody. Um, no. Or oaky, I guess. This is it's really good. It the, is it is reminiscent of Lustrum.
1: Yeah, actually very much so. And and the the fruit flavor is is good but not overpowering. It's it blends really well like it's yeah, this is this is delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Um and reminds me very much of Again like we've been talking about Belgian beers but a, a sort of uh, an ode Bruin or a Flanders red or those sorts of things like those those like really well-defined Belgian styles um, there are some like classic examples of it but this like this fits right in that category for me but the the added kind of fruit a little bit of sweetness a little bit of tartness like it's it
0: totally this is super nice totally and this one this one is a champagne bottle um, and like I said it's it's called quadrennial as John said it's a it's a sort of dark gray label with a gold Roman numeral four. Um, If you happen to be at a lesser traveled uh, cold beer and wine store, especially cold beer and wine store that maybe has some dusty bottles that didn't move quite as well. And you see one of these definitely pick it up. This is really
1: good. This is the Hoppy Knight seal of approval on this one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If you at all like, Sour beers in any way, shape, or form. This is this is a must acquire.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, you know what? I'm going ten out of ten on this. Ten out of ten.
1: This is the best beer I've had in a very long time. Yeah. This is easily. Yeah. yeah. This is one of the best beers I've had all year. Yeah. Um, and would still I think to our to our overall kind of theme um, would be this is a beer that's perfect for sharing. This is a beer that that absolutely kind of works well with a bunch of people getting to try it. I I would love to hear. Other people's opinions. I feel like people even who don't, who aren't particular aficionados of sour beer could find something interesting about this beer. It's not overly sour, but the notes are there. Yeah, totally. Um, like, I think I think this is the type of beer that you can sit around and, and
0: have a conversation with other people that are fans of craft beer. Yeah, well, and this one's, like, it comes in a champagne bottle, and you could absolutely serve this in champagne flutes. Mm-hmm. You know, p- put out half a dozen champagne flutes, share it with your, sh- like, share it with your immediate family, and this is incredible.
1: Yeah. Good call ending on this. This yeah. was, this would have, this would have, uh, no pun intended, but soured the experience for the other ones. Not that the other beers weren't good,
0: <laughs> but this is another level. Yeah. This is very good. Yeah. Again. And again, like a barrel aged sour is a great sharing beer because as much as like I, this is a 10 out of 10 beer. and one of the best beers I've had in months, if not years. I wouldn't want to drink an entire the entire bottle myself. No, it'd be too much. Like it would, my palate would get overwhelmed. Yeah. It would just be. It would be too much.
1: Yeah, this but, is. Um, this actually reminds me. So I was in. Um, it was a few months ago, but I was in Portland uh, at some point over the summer, and I went to the Cascade Barrel Room, yeah. and a lot of their beers hit the same sort of notes as this one. And pointedly, like their the normal serving size for almost everything you get there is like two ounces, like. It's a small amount. And the thing is like that almost makes it better. You can try a few different things. Yep. You get these amazing tastes. But this is not a beer that you want a pint of. Nope. This is not a beer you even want a half pint of. Nope. This is something that's going to work well in small volumes. You get the full experience of the flavor. But yeah, sitting on, sitting on even 10 ounces of this would be too much. Yeah.
0: And honestly, as we were talking before, if you've got a family member who doesn't like craft beer or doesn't like beer or anything like that, but they're really into expensive wine or something like that, and they like dry reds yeah, you give them this. try this one on, yeah, yeah. like hundred percent give them this, and they will it'll knock their socks off, yeah this the, yeah, in my mind, this would stand up to a good winter meal as much as any any red wine would, yeah all right, yeah, well you know what that is a good place to uh tie this one up, as we mentioned, uh we will be hopefully back to a more regular schedule now and with, with weekly beer of the moment updates. Yeah. Um, so from when you're listening to
1: this, expect a, I don't know. What we're going to call them yet. Tasters, whatever. Taster sure. episode. Yeah, sure. Taster episode right sounds now. Good. Expect an episode next week. We're going to talk about beer of the moment. Uh, you know, whatever we're drinking that week and, uh, and happen to enjoy as a recommendation, something you can seek out.
0: Yep. Hit us up. If you have any questions, uh, we're still looking for guests. I know we've had a few people say that they're interested in guesting on, but, uh, And haven't been able to set that up yet, but that'll start coming soon. Yep. Uh, The email is HoppyNightInCanada at gmail.com. That's the one. Uh, Uh, Social media, we are
1: on Instagram and Twitter, both at HoppyNightCA. Yep. Uh,
0: Probably be more active on there in the next little while than we have been recently. Yeah. Um, The website is just HoppyNight.ca. That's the one. Look for blog posts and stuff like that as well. And please take a moment, hop over to iTunes. Give us a five star rating. Uh, review yeah. every rating and review we get uh, pushes us a little fi- further up the chain to and other, allows other people to ex- to discover our podcast. Yeah, and share with your friends. Tell your friends if you got a friend who's into beer, tell them I know this great beer podcast.
1: Absolutely. If you're uh, you know at the holidays with families, we've been talking about just let them know that it's uh, a podcast uh, to listen to if they're interested in learning a little bit more about craft beer.
0: Yep. My name has been Dave, and I'm John. Cheers. Cheers.